Beloved church, happy Easter. The sun is shining, there are violets blooming in my lawn, and spring is slowly and surely inching its way into Kalamazoo. It is so good to be together. Will you pray with me? God of life and love, on this day when we recall your victory over death, open our hearts to your gentle voice, speaking our names and calling us into the future that you are creating. Amen. Woman, why are you weeping? The angels stand vigil in the empty tomb. Were they there all along? Did they see Mary's initial panic when she found the tomb empty? Did they observe the disciples when they came to investigate? Do these angels choose to reveal themselves at this moment, or is Mary able to see them for the first time because something inside of herself has shifted? Maybe their glow only reflects through tears. Woman, why are you weeping? Mary has an answer. Since before dawn, she's been piecing together a story to make sense of the empty tomb she has found. They have taken away my rabbi, and I don't know where they've put his body. It's the first conclusion she reached, and it's the explanation she gave to the disciples when she ran to them and said, the rabbi's been taken from the tomb. We don't know where they've put Jesus. And even the presence of dazzling angels in the otherwise empty tomb does not yet disrupt this conspiracy theory that Mary has constructed. Woman, why are you weeping? He died. That's reason enough for tears. They hurt him. There was nothing I could do. Mary has so many reasons to weep even before she finds the tomb empty. Mary has been weeping for days. And if Mary is anything like every other human who has lived, one grief spills into another. And the tears for one loss quickly become tears for all the losses. The family member lost years ago Opportunities lost today, the lost hope, the lost security, the lost future. Woman, why are you weeping? I imagine Mary's tears flowing into a stream, together with all the tears I have shared with family and friends, with you, this week, over the last month, over the last year. Tears for the cruelty of disease and lives cut short. Tears as the accumulation of loved ones departed grows heavy. Tears for children and parents and teachers who live in fear of guns, in fear of personal attacks because of their gender identity 
in fear of legislators, in fear of their own neighbors. I had a conversation recently with someone who apologized for their tears, who explained that they were praying for peace, and they seemed to assume that their tears were a sign that God had not yet answered that prayer. I passed along wisdom I have received from others. We don't reach peace by not feeling our feelings. When the road of life is unfair and painful, when the circumstances warrant grief, the way to peace is through the tears. But we, like Mary, also fill in the gaps in our story. We experience pain in our bodies and anticipate a terrifying diagnosis. We grieve when a relationship is broken and we fear that there is something wrong with ourselves. We experience uncomfortable or frightening changes in our country or in our schools or in our church. And we tell ourselves stories to try to explain who would do this and why. We imagine those people who intend us harm. Those politicians, those Roman soldiers, those administrators, those people different from ourselves. Woman, why are you weeping? The angels are not the only one to ask this question. Another voice speaks up, wondering who Mary is looking for. Mary mistakes him for the gardener. Is it the dim twilight of dawn that causes the confusion? Or is her vision still blurred with tears? In any case, it is not until he speaks her name that Mary realizes her mistake. The story she has told others, the story she has told herself, is not true. And if Mary is like any other human who has lived, her tears at this point stream harder as she sputters and tries to grasp hold of this beloved rabbi she was sure that she would never see alive again. The story unfolding around Mary is not the story that she told herself. It's a story she never imagined, being told by a God whose power pours out in creativity and love. And it is not until Mary speaks her name, until Jesus speaks her name, Mary, that the haze of her own conspiracy theories lift and she begin, can begin to see clearly the story that God is telling. What stories have we told ourselves that God is ready to crack open? What stories make us feel stuck or lost or powerless? Where have we cast blame for our pain and loss when God is gently speaking our names?
calling us into a whole new chapter of a story we thought was over. Woman, why are you weeping? Have you ever reached the end of a long, hard road only to cry harder with the relief? Maybe it was the confirmation that you would get the chance to parent after years of disappointment and delay. Maybe it was clear scans after months of difficult medical treatments. Maybe it was freedom from a hurtful relationship at work or at home. Maybe it was a court ruling that affirmed your rights and your humanity. Sometimes we don't feel all the weariness and all of the pain that we have endured until hope is on our doorstep and we realize how much we have missed it. In the second book of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, the wizard Gandalf is dragged into an abyss and everyone who sees it assumes that he has died. But then he returns and begins appearing one by one to the members of the fellowship. My favorite reunion is the one he has with the hobbit Samwise, who since the last time he saw Gandalf has experienced all kinds of suffering and seen all kinds of evil. Sam says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? And if the tears I shed every time I read this passage are any gauge, I think it's safe to assume that Sam speaks these words through his own tears of amazement and relief. In the story, Gandalf replies, a great shadow has departed. And then he laughed, and the sound was like music, or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. Friends, when is the last time you laughed so hard you cried? I'm going to pause here because this isn't a rhetorical device. I actually want you to try to think of the last time you laughed that hard. You can write it down on your connection card if you want to share it. Was it watching a comedy special on Netflix? Or relating something a toddler said to you? Was it reminiscing with family gathered for a holiday or a birthday or even a funeral? Was it the kind of laughter that bubbles up out of affection? Was it because you were able to laugh at yourself? Woman, why are you weeping? I wonder if Mary wept tears of joy that day as she shared the good news. Unbelievable, unexpected good news with those frightened disciples. I have seen Jesus, 
Does she laugh at how wrong her conspiracy theory was? Does she laugh with wonder and tell the disciples she can hardly believe it herself? Resurrection. Victory over death. The story God is telling in and through us is so much stranger than any conspiracy theory we could come up with. It runs counter to logic. It's a story in which the empty tomb is a promise, not a wound. On the floor of the Tennessee legislature this week, a young black lawmaker, Representative Justin Pearson, wondered aloud how his people continued to find hope in the midst of centuries of oppression. And his answer was that resurrection is a promise and a prophecy. We might look at the state of our world and despair, as so many have before us. We may fear that our values are being undermined or attacked. We may fear literal attacks from those who feel empowered to hate. We may fear that our government is too afraid or too slow or too corrupt to address the problems before us. But God is telling a different story than the ones we tell ourselves. God's story is a story in which a young man beaten by police on a bridge in Selma, Alabama, becomes a senator. It's a story in which 18,000 acres of land in Montana is returned to the management of the Salish and Kootenai tribes. It's a story in which a performer at the CMT Country Music Awards sings to her drag queen backup dancers, if you go down, I'm going down too. It's a story in which the death-dealing powers never have the last word. This is the story in which we find ourselves, beloved church. And I see you living it every day. I see you transforming a crumbling, empty church building into a vibrant playscape, full of life and growth. I see you refusing to give up on people that our society has written off. I see beauty and joy and love blossoming in the lives of people who have been rejected by other churches. When the risen Christ gently speaks your name, what story do you find yourself in, beloved one? What is your part in this story? What is your good news? Because when I begin to glimpse the story we are actually living, the story in which the love of God draws us forward each day, I have hope. I can glimpse a future in which the chokehold of gun lobbyists is broken 
just like the chokehold of those who exploited child labor was broken over a century ago. Can you imagine that? I can imagine a future in which we cast off the shackles of white supremacy and learn what true justice and true liberty feel like. I can see a future in which new life springs forth from arid land and human economies reorganize around the health of all instead of the profit of a few. Woman, why are you weeping? I am weeping in awe of a God who by the power at work in each of you is able to accomplish abundantly far more than I could ask or imagine. Amen. Amen. Alleluia.